Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. Jess Vicious is the mind behind Chicago's Bunny, who have just released their emotional first album, Everything. Seven years in the making, Everything is an album which bookends the tragic loss of Jess's partner, Trey Gruber. Today, Jess shares how she worked through her grief, through her music, and how she shaped the album's sound. All that and more coming up on today's Music Therapy. everybody. Welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker, and I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois. I'm also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Music Therapy is a show where I dive deep into the psyche of musicians. We talk about music, the creative process, music careers, mental health, the music business, touring, recording, balancing life and music, and anything else me and my guests want to talk about. If you want to learn more about music therapy and see upcoming guests and events, please visit musictherapypodcast.com. You can also visit jessicarisker.com to learn more about me and my own music. And if you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review helps us reach more listeners. Today I'm talking with Jess Vicious of Chicago band Bunny. Jess Vicious is an artist and musician based in Chicago, Illinois. She is the creative force behind Bunny, who recently released their debut album, Everything, on Fire Talk Records. We're going to talk with Jess in just a moment, and we'll definitely hear some music off Everything. But first, here's my song, Closure, off the album Big Forever.
Okay, that was the instrumental song Closure off my album Big Forever. And now let's turn to my conversation with Jess. Um, I'd love to capture your trajectory with working a full-time day job to where you are now. So if you don't mind, can you tell us what a typical day or typical week looks like for you? Yeah. Okay. So, um, a typical week for me currently is, um, I've been working on our, our debut album, um, and getting everything like rolled out for that. So I've been making a lot of music videos that I've been editing myself, like learning new software and that's taking up a lot of my time. Um, and just doing, you know, various interviews and stuff like that. Um, and just also like small things that you don't think about when you're like making music in your bedroom. Like, have you seen the Spotify canvases and like stuff like that? No. What is that? So if, so Spotify has this new feature where there's like a, there's like a, a visual with it, like a, a you oh, can yeah. an MP3. Yeah. And so I've been like, last week I was doing that, making a lot of like canvases, um, just like a lot of art stuff. And, um, yeah, but a, but a, a typical day for me is um, sort of going through my to-do list and trying to get things done. <laughs> okay. Um, so you, let me see, let me kind of go into this without referring too much. You had been working for part of your life, it's my understanding, you'd been working like kind of a more traditional nine-to-five job, Right. Right. Yeah. And that changed. What happened there? So, yeah, I was working a nine to five. I've worked a nine to five for most of my life. Um, and what were you doing for your nine to five? I was working as a graphic designer and art director. Okay. Um, so I had a, I had this like, you know, career, a creative career. And at first it was fulfilling and I was really excited about the work I was doing, but I think I slowly got jaded um, just like in the design community and specifically like, I don't know, just where I was working and like the more corporate environment, I always sort of felt out of place. Um, and for a long time I had considered leaving the job, um, but uh, I, and then eventually I was laid off at a certain point. So it's sort of serendipitously, serendipitously happened where I was wanting this thing for a really long time. And then it was just like forced upon me. Um, and that was, it ended up being great because it allowed me to devote more time to working on music, which is what I had wanted to do for like years. So now your days are more unstructured as far as having a nine to five and those deadlines that you had to report to. Right. Um, what are the main, what are your main points of focus now for work? You've got music. Yes, I've got music. Um, my sister and I are running a little vintage shop that we do through social media. Mostly we have a website as well, but we, we, we sell all of the pieces through Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for that, we go out and source stuff. Like we go to estate sales um, we have like some connections with estate liquidators and um, we source stuff that way. And then we will come back and go to, my sister is a phot photographer. So we use her studio to shoot the pieces um, and then we'll post it on social media. And that's how we do business. So 
um, a lot of my time is devoted to that, um, as well as working on music. Um, <laughs> we have a release show coming up, so we've been practicing quite a bit. Um, yeah. And then you're also doing some freelance graphic design. Yeah, I do some freelance design, but I'm, I am phasing that out. Um, I think that like for a long time, I was really like invested in my identity as a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's like, I don't really, that doesn't really resonate with me anymore. Like, I don't really feel like creatively fulfilled with design in the way that I used to when I was like a college student and I found it really exciting. And I think the way my brain works is I just sort of like cycle through hobbies and like, I, I just sort of do what I'm most like interested in, in the moment. And so that's why I'm, I feel like I'm kind of jumping around a lot and yeah. I mean, it's no small thing to kind of really, really identify with this creative pursuit and want to make it a career. And you were able to do that. Do you think that achieving that was part of what, in, in some form was part of what allowed you to maybe let it go and shift towards something new? Um, wait, what do, you, what do you mean exactly? I'm sorry. Well, you know, someone may want to, let's say, be a musician, but maybe they never really get, a, you know, a label representation or something like that. And so they may never quite feel that they fulfilled what they imagined. But it sounds like you wanted to be a designer and then you were a designer and do you feel like that helped you to say, okay, I sort of satisfied that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it, it, it did feel like that. Like I felt like I had reached like the limit of what I wanted to accomplish as a graphic designer. And I had this really amazing resume and like really great clients that I worked for but I was still like, I had this itch that it wasn't enough. And that's sort of like the theme of my life is like, even when I'm like doing well, I'm sort of always like chasing the next thing. Like I really like to be challenged and I just felt like I had like met that mark with design and I was ready for the next thing. And that's sort of when I got into playing guitar because, um, it, it, it just sort of happened accidentally where I just started playing guitar and writing songs and I would send the songs to my sister and her boyfriend at the time was in a band and he was like, we should all start a band. And then um, we did. And it like very quickly became real and we were booking shows and it was like, whoa, like we are in a band. It was just like this really cool, exciting time. And then like, then and now like I feel like that's like kind of like my whole identity is like being a musician and um, but it's like shifted from like, I was once like, I'm a graphic designer and now I'm like, I'm a musician, but I still don't really feel comfortable saying that because like, I don't know. I think I have imposter syndrome. Did uh, you do graphic design? Did I what? Have that with graphic design? Yeah. Even though, even though I was like, like my head in my head, I was like, I'm, I'm a great graphic designer. I think there's always a part of me that's like, well, you could be better. You know, I'm, I'm sort of like, I don't know. Do you think, so here's, here's sort of a, a raw question for you, I guess. Um, <laughs> do you think that part of the drive is about, I accomplished this, so now to the next accomplishment, or is it about the 
creative pursuit for the act of creativity or maybe a blend of both? I think it's a blend. Um, I definitely like to be challenged and I get bored very easily. So yeah. And I think like, uh, I think like, you know, a, a deep part of me, like, likes the validation of like doing this stuff and like, just like in my head, I'm like accomplishing like these goals that I have set for myself. So I think that's part of it. Um, but you know, I wish I could just like sit, take a step back and be like, you know, my life is really great. Like I don't have to like be so hard on myself all the time. You feel like you're hard on yourself? Yeah. I feel like I'm very hard on myself. <laughs> like I, yeah, I don't know. Even, even when things are going really well, I'm still like, well, it could be better, you know? And it, and like, I really envy people who are just like, everything's like awesome and everything is, you know, or like they just feel really satisfied like in their life and like their careers. Cause I, I don't think I've ever really felt that way. Maybe, maybe it comes in like glimpses where I'm like, oh, today I feel really good. But it's like a general, the general theme is, ah, I could be doing more or I could be doing better or something. Yeah. What are your goals for your music? For music? Well, I mean, I think on a bigger, on a big scale, like for me, it was just putting out an album. Like I've been working on the, on, on our debut album, everything for a really long time. Um, and at some points I was like, this album's never going to get released. Like I, at, at, you know, it was written during a very difficult time in my life where I sort of lost all joy in making music and just generally like existing. <laughs> and so that was really challenging. Um, but so, so once I sort of like overcame that hurdle of just like being in the depths of depression, I was like, I want to, I want to see this album through. Like I've been working on it for a really long time. Um, and then, and then, yeah. So, so just the, the act of like getting this album together and releasing it is for me a really, I just feel really proud of myself, honestly. <laughs> you should. That's no small thing. Yeah. Yeah. So can, you, can you sort of give us a brief timeline of the album's creation? So you said you've been working on it for a while. What would you place as the starting point for the album? I think that album, the, so in 2015 is when I really started playing guitar and formed our band. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of those songs, there's like two songs on there that are from 2015. Uh -huh. um, so it's been a really long time. Which songs are those? Um, Promises and Take That Back are okay. from 2018. <laughs> um, so that was, and I think that sort of reflects in the sound where it's this more like garage rock feel. Um, and that's what I was listening to in 2015. I feel like that was like what was cool on the scene in 2015, you know? Um, and so, yeah. And then like, as I became a little more comfortable with the guitar, I think my, my like, musical taste sort of evolved and um those are the songs that are the latter half of the album um yeah okay so it started in 2015 let me like go in a little bit more so 2015 you wrote these songs did you did you record them or I think we maybe recorded them in 2016 for the first time there were some songs that we recorded um and 
with the intention of, I don't know, just having demos to send to labels or something with the hopes of getting signed. Those two um, songs, or do you remember, was it more than those two songs? Um, I think it was probably like six songs. Okay. And six, are all six of those songs on the album? Did they end up? Um, no. Not the recordings, but the songs? Okay. Yeah. We, we dropped a lot of them over the years. Um, okay. Some of them are just, you know, plain bad. You, you look back <laughs> after five years and you're like, this song was awful. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I think that like, for me, it was important to include these early songs just as like, well, for me, I'm, I'm like such a nostalgic person and every song has like such a visceral memory tied to it. And so despite like, the songs being old, they're still really important to me. And like, I think important to the general story of the album. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you had made this demo assortment of six songs, not all of them made this album. And then when were the other songs written along the way? So those were written, um, oh, I don't know, maybe 2019, 2018. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and then I kind of sat on them for a while and then decided, okay, I want to, I want to do this and make re-record everything and um, put out an album. Okay. So, you know, the theme, it feels like from you were talking about that the huge theme of this album is about the sudden loss of your partner, Trey. Um, and when I want to, I want to talk more about the music and that, but just to kind of follow with this arc, when did you lose Trey? When, when you had so, Trey passed away in 2017. Um, yeah. And then I basically like my music came to a halt at that point and I just, you know, was trying to take care of myself and like exist um and yeah and, and then sorry what was that no go ahead and then um eventually I was you know I think during that period too I was like I'm oh, I'm done playing music partly because I Trey and I like were so closely connected through music and you know just playing music without him just felt like it, I don't know. It was, it just, it just didn't feel right. Um, what did it, and so can you name the feeling? Did it feel like a betrayal? Where did it feel? Yeah, maybe in some ways, I think that, you know, with death, there's like guilt associated with it. And I, I just, I remember like when anything positive would happen for bunny, I would immediately, my first feeling was guilt. Um, of, uh, you know, like Trey isn't around and I'm, you know, still playing music and I, I'm still here. Trey's not here. And so, yeah, there were definitely a lot of those feelings. Um, and that was part of the reason I was saying, I was just like, I'm not even going to play music anymore. This is not something I want to do. But I think after, you know, a lot of self-reflection and therapy, I was like, okay, you know, those aren't really necessary necessarily real feelings and like I, I should continue to do like what I what I love doing um and so yeah <laughs> and I'm sure what Trey would want you to continue doing yes I I agree I think that um 
yeah, I think that, I think Trey, like, I know that Trey would have wanted me to keep playing music, like in my heart, like I know that he would want me to keep playing music and I'm, I'm still close with his family members and they're all like, Trey would be, you know, like really proud of you right now. And that feels great because it almost feels like it's like part of Trey being like, we're proud of you, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's really special. How did, you know, the grieving process, you're, you're talking about how part of the grieving process made you just want to step away and not do music and not kind of touch these songs. How did your grieving process impact maybe the writing of some of the material, recording, performing, how, I assume it sort of infiltrates the album. Yeah, um, I think that, like, for me, writing and finishing the album was just generally therapeutic in that music is an emotional outlet. And so just the act of sitting in my room and writing these songs was healing, getting those emotions out. I think I also generally am sort of a guarded person. So just songwriting in general, I feel like is an excellent outlet for me because it's like allows me to get in touch with the side of myself um, that I don't normally access or that I I feel like I have like a lot of repressed emotions (laughs) and that either comes out through anger or like when I'm playing guitar, it comes out through like sadness. Uh Um, And so, yeah, I I think that does that answer the question? (laughs) Sounds like you're saying when you play music, it's a way for you to actually experience those emotions and release them. Yeah, I think, yeah. When you play the songs now, do you feel the same emotions? Have they lessened? Does it bring you back? I have to say, like, this whole album rollout has been almost triggering <laughs> just because, I, and I didn't anticipate that. I feel like I, I'm in a, in a much better place than I was even a year ago. Um, but it it has it has been difficult, um, especially just general interviews where I'm, I'm answering questions. Not not like this, but or, or no, even like this. Like just ha- to having to face that again and think about it and like take a critical look at why I make art and things like that. Um, yeah, that's it. An interesting question. Taking, I mean, taking a critical look at why you make art. Do you have any, have you come to any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I feel like, I, I think just for the reason I sort of said earlier, where it's like just an emotional outlet for me. It's just like my favorite form of self-expression. Um, I think that, you know, I, I like dabble in visual art as well. And it just can't compare to music. You know, music is so powerful and mysterious and, you know, just hearing like one chord can make me cry, you know, like, it's like, it, it, music is so magical. And um, yeah, I, I so I, I feel like everybody should play music. Everybody should get in touch with that side of themselves and <laughs> explore that avenue if they're able to. Do you feel like other emotions could come out of you, anger or excitement through music? Or do you think it's particularly poignant with the sadder side of your emotions? Yeah, I think that sadness is the is my go-to. Um, but I definitely have also yeah, expressed anger in songwriting and resentment. 
And I'm still chasing that happy song that I would really love to write one day where it's just like this blissful, you know, like happy, great song. I haven't gotten there yet, but I, I think that maybe, maybe this year I'll write like a nice happy song. Cause you know, like this album is obviously so sensitive and just carries a lot of weight, especially for me and playing the songs live and things like that. And it would be really nice to just get up on stage and play songs that are like more lighthearted and that aren't so deeply personal and vulnerable. But that's just like what I naturally, the songs I naturally write. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, should I just like not live my truth and try to write other stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could try to write those and see if they feel as good to you. Yeah, I've, I've tried writing like, you know, sort of like fiction songs. Like when I first started writing music, I remember I wrote a song about like a train or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, this is so contrived and like corny. But I think that's so, what's something that's really cool about music is like the journey of like self-discovery and, okay, sorry. Can you hear all these things going off? Yeah. I was wondering if it was me. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, the, the journey of self-discovery within music and like finding your sound. Like I remember when I first started playing music, I was like, I said like into garage rock and like sort of like more like post-punk music and I was listening to a lot of parquet courts. I remember I tried writing this song that sounded like parquet courts and it was like, it was called nine to five and it was about going to work and like, just like the drudge of like going to work and anxiety. And I was like, this song is so like contrived and it's just not me, but it it took me a little while to like evolve and find like my own sound. And once I did, I was like, Oh, this is it. Like, this is like, these are the types of songs I should be writing. Okay. Have you ever listened to ultimate painting? No. Yeah, check out Ultimate Painting. Um, So, okay, so a lot of, you know, I think a lot, I'm sure a lot of what you're talking to people about as you put the album out is the emotional content of the album. Um, But, I mean, I think it's really important to focus on the sound. What I really love about the album, in addition to what it's about, is the sound. And I'm really interested in how you worked toward that sound you went back and redid some songs I'm curious what you know how you approach that creatively and how you how do you know when you're like oh I like this or I want to do this over again uh I don't know that's such a hard question I feel like going into the into the recording process I didn't really have like a set reference of songs like at one point I like Jason Bala, who recorded the album, was like, oh, can you send me some songs and that you're inspired by or that you want, like, you know, that, in, that you will want to have influence the album sound, things like that, just have reference references. And I sent him a bunch of songs and he's like, all of these songs are so vastly different. He's like, can you pinpoint like what, what like a more specific, you know, mood board? But I don't know, that, that's, that is really challenging for me. I think I, partly because like I see music in such a visual way where I'm like, like, I remember just sort of feeling like I want it to sound like dark and like the color blues and, and it just sort of have like more of like a feeling like I had in mind. And it was hard to articulate exactly like what that was. So I feel like that is like one thing I really struggle with in the studio is articulating like exactly what I want because I'm, I am sort of like a novice and it's still figuring it out, you know? I mean, describing sound is really difficult. It is. Oh my, I remember the first time I recorded with Dave Vitrano and I wanted to sound like 
hi. And he's like, what do you mean? Hi. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. How, I don't have any other words to describe it. Like, yeah. you know, so it's just like finding the vocab to be like, okay, this is what I want. And I think that as you sort of go through the process of recording, you, you, you become more comfortable with that. And as you're listening to music, you're more, you are more aware of like, Oh, I like the way that drum sounds or, you know, where, mm-hmm. when I was younger and listening to music, I absolutely never thought about music in that way. And that's kind of like ruined some of the joy in it for me is like, I'm not just careful, like carelessly listening to music. I'm more like in tune to like, you know, Oh, I wonder if this person's playing, you know, this or, you know, I don't know. Um, So you started off with kind of a mood board of sorts, some reference tracks that kicked it off. It sounds like. Yeah. Can you name a couple tracks that you had? Um, I, I, I know we had the velvet underground on there. Um, we had a Mazzy Star song on there just because I, I really like like the reverb on the tambourine. <laughs> and it's funny now that like anything that's written about our band is like, Maz, it sounds like Mazzy Star. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like the reference that uh, apparent. But yeah, those are, those are the two that I can really remember. And then all of them are just sort of like random songs that I had like saved over the years of like, oh, I, li- I really like this this music. How do you... Is it kind of once you get something in the studio, it's like, that's it. That sounds good. Or, I like where this is going. Or how do you shape it? How do you approach that? Yeah, um, I think I do have a pretty good idea of what in, in a live setting where I'm like, oh, that sounded good or that didn't. Um, but sometimes when when I like take a, some time away from the song, like if we're in the studio and I, I listen to the song like the next day, I'm like, sort of second guessing myself. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately I'm, I'm all, I am, I'm sort of a perfectionist. So I think that I don't think anything's ever like perfect. Um, but it's sort of just learning to let go and be like, this is the song that we have, you know? And like, it is good. Like I just need to release it. And that's sort of what's held me back. Like in the past is just feeling like nothing's ever good enough, but I, you know, I think, nothing's ever perfect. You just like have to like come to terms to that. <laughs> so how do you feel about the album? How it turned out? Um, I've, I think the album is, is really beautiful. I, I'm really proud of like the work we all did together and the sound. I think it's really cohesive despite, you know, some songs being much older than some. And I, I'm like just really proud of like myself honestly and my band and all the hard work that we've put into this so it was recorded somewhere differently than it was mixed is that right um it was recorded yeah it was recorded at jam deck studio um and it was mixed by this guy colin dupuis i don't i'm not even sure where he lives but he he mixed it remotely um and we just sort of communicated through email uh, and that was that was challenging because it's really hard to talk about sound through email. You know, it, I think next that was a learning experience. And I think next time I'm like, I would love to be there at least for a few days in person during the mixing session. So I can, you know, just have a have a closer look at it. I think that would be tough. Um, also, really? somebody who's mixing it, who didn't record it. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds great. So whatever you did worked. But um, I think I would find that really challenging. How did you find Colin? He had mixed like, okay, so I was going through like people who I, whose music I like. And I'm like, who makes this album? Who makes this album? And he was somebody 
who I found who I was like, this is like the longest shot ever. This guy's not going to mix my album. He's like mixed like Alana's El Rey album, you yeah. know? And um, I emailed him and I sent him one song and he was like, okay, like I'll take this project on. And I was like, whoa, like you were my first choice and you said yes. And I am like absolutely floored. <laughs> so that was cool. What albums that he had he done that stood out to you that made you so drawn to him? He's He mixed Otis, this, um, do you know Otis? Yes. He mixed an Otis record um, that I really liked. Um, Lana Del Rey, who I don't especially like, but I think that um, the, the album that he mixed is really cool. He did a, an Angel Olsen, an older Angel Olsen record. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so he sent all the tracks to him and then he put it together. Yeah. Yeah. He mixed it all. And then Greg Obis mastered it. I feel like Greg Obis masters like so many people. He's like the Chicago master. <laughs> and, and Carl Saff. That's cool. That's, I mean, that is a, I feel like that would be a challenging way to go about it, but again, I think it works. So did you feel a crunch of time on mixing? I know mixing can be expensive. Um, we had a, an agreed amount before we started. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't, I didn't feel that crunch of like, Oh, you, you know, this is going too long. So it was just like a, a set amount, but the whole recording process is, is expensive. And that's part of the reason why it feels like such a leap is cause you're like, okay, I'm, I'm sort of like investing in my music career by going into the studio and spending, you know, however much money. One question I have for you is because, or not because, is I was wondering if because you've had this like professional graphic design experience where a certain standard was set and expected by by you, but I'm sure also by your employers. Right. Um, and so working to achieve that level of per- perfection or close, whatever, needs to be right. I'm wondering if that sort of work ethic maybe ethic isn't the right word, but just, I really need to push everything to be just right. Whereas somebody who maybe is starting out with an artistic endeavor may let things go that might be a little down the line. They might think it was a little sloppy or I could have worked this a little harder. Um, I'm wondering, do you feel that that influenced when you would call something done or we need to work on this a little more? Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought about that, but I'm sure some of that like trickles into my like music because that's just like how I existed for so long. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that maybe, you know, I think that I am like just general have like a marketing sense too, where to me, the visuals and the music are really closely related and I'm good at just sort of tying that stuff together where I think some artists struggle with like the more marketing side, but that's just sort of my, that's my background. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that comes really naturally to me where as like, sometimes like the music stuff is almost more challenging. Like I I was talking to a friend the other day and they're like, I hate designing the album artwork. And I'm like, wow, that's like one of my favorite things to do because it's just like, that's something I've, I think I'm good at. And where sometimes I'm like more critical of like, how good of a guitar player I am and things like that. But I'm, I'm hoping that it does shift more to where I'm like, I'm getting much better at guitar and, you know, things like that. <laughs> One thing you mentioned, um, something we could talk about just for just a little bit more here and then we'll, I'm, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Um, you mentioned something about working 
working as a team within the band. What were you referring to there? Yeah, I think that I am sort of, I've realized through music that I'm kind of a control freak, which is funny because like I typically associate somebody who's very type B in the, my, my daily life. But for some reason, when it comes to music, I'm like very like specific about what I want, very perfectionist. And I think that sometimes that gets in the way of like the collaboration in the band where I, I can have a really specific vision. And I think I've had to learn to just like allow people the space to sort of meander and figure out stuff on their own. And like, I think, you know, that just like makes space for like a much better collaboration, like within the band, you know, and, and instead of being so like, it has to be this way and it has to be that way. Yeah. And so that's, that's been a, a learning experience, you know? <laughs> and I think uh, one thing that I find too, is just a frustration with the time. Sometimes it feels like you could do things on your own and like, let's get moving. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel like once a week we get together and I want to get, I don't know if you feel that. <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I'm like, well, our, our guitarist is like playing a lead line. And I'm like, no, that's not quite right. And he's like, well, can you, can you tell me like what something you think might be better? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not a, as good of a guitar player as you. So like, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but so it's, it's funny. Cause like, yeah, I have the, this like specific like vision in mind, but sometimes I like, I can't like play, play it, which is, yeah been a struggle and that's why I'm like I need to really I need to just like become a better guitar player <laughs> are you writing any material right now are you taking a break um no I've actually been writing a lot of songs lately and it's that's been really exciting because I feel like it comes in waves for me where I have like really productive months in music and then I don't write anything just either because I I'm not motivated or I feel like nothing's good but the last week I've been writing some cool stuff, cool stuff. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let me touch on, you had mentioned the value of therapy. What, what do you see as the value of therapy? I think that therapy is incredible. Like, you know, I've been, I've seen maybe th a thousand therapists at this point. <laughs> just kidding. Not that many. Um, but I think it's just great to have like an objective, you know, opinion outside of your friend group or your family who can really help you look at your life and, you know, dig deeper. I think that I've made so many discoveries in therapy that I really had no idea it was like hiding under the surface. You said before that sometimes it's difficult for you to access that emotional part of yourself. Do you feel like therapy is opening that at all? That access? Yeah, I think definitely. I think, yeah, de definitely therapy has helped me like just work through that. I remember when I first started going to therapy, I, I had a hard time even talking about my feelings. Like, and I feel like I've definitely opened up quite a bit, but yeah, I, I struggle with that at first. And I still struggle like talking about my feelings. Like, I think it's, it's hard to be vulnerable and like expose that part of yourself to somebody like be it a friend or, or with music, a stranger, you know, or a therapist. And I'm just like learning how, how to go about that and be more open. I mean, that's a really interesting place to be if you feel like it's really uncomfortable to be vulnerable, but you've made like the most vulnerable album. This is yeah. really deeply personal and about really heavy stuff and hard stuff. Yeah. That's, that is a interesting place for you, I'm sure. It really is. It's, it is a struggle, a daily struggle. But I, I think, you know, make, yeah, like I said, like making art is a vulnerable act. Like, sharing a part of yourself with someone and 
I think that because of that, like artists are brave and they deserve respect and credit. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's really hard to get up on stage and like sing a song about something really personal or, you know, so, so credit to all the brave artists out there. <laughs> you say something about stage fright. Do you have stage fright? Yeah, that is stage fright. I've, I've, okay. So I used to have a phobia of public speaking. Um, and I like failed, I don't know, a, a course in college and flunked a class in high school. Cause I, I like my inability to speak publicly and I would dread it like for weeks coming up to like, if I had to give a speech, like it would be like weeks of dread. And it was like this really sort of irrational fear. Um, and now that I'm playing shows, I, I still sort of equate those two things in my mind of like getting up on a stage where people are listening to you and you have a microphone in front of you. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's been um, interesting, just learning to come to terms with that and how to move past those feelings. Is it getting any easier? It is, you know, it was, and then quarantine happened yeah. and now I haven't played a show in so long. And I'm like, I'm really nervous for our release show because I'm just like, I haven't played in so long. Um, but I think like, if you're, if you go on tour and you're like, we've only been on short tours, I think our longest was a week, but by the end of that, I was so comfortable and I was like, oh, this is so easy. But it's just sort of like when you have space from it and then you have to play again, I, I get a little, I still get a, a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So your release show is September 2nd? Yes. At the Empty Bottle. At the Empty Bottle. Tickets are available. <laughs> um, and I would love to have you guys a little bit down the line on a group therapy. We're doing the mechanical. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, they're really fun. Um, let's see here. So can you share with people where they can get the album or listen to the album? Yeah, you can go into Google and search bunnyband.com and you can find the link there. You can also get it through Fire Talk, our label. Um, I was Googling ourselves the other day and I saw that we have an album, like the album is available at Barnes and Noble or Best Buy or some, something weird. And I was like, wow, this album is it's really out there. <laughs> It's B N N Y band. B N N Y. Yes, we had to drop the U because for well for various reasons. But there were like so many bands named Bunny, and it, it just it was the right move. I miss I miss the U, but <laughs> but uh, now we're now we're more appealing to Gen Z. <laughs> it's it's good to keep things tight anyway. <laughs> yeah. It looks really good on, on a poster because it's like massive, just four letters. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for yeah today. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate ha you having me on. Here's Bunny's beautiful song, Sure, off their new album, Everything, out now on Fire Talk Records. Sure. Another drink Sure Lost time to think Sure Another lie Sure
that was sure by Bunny. I want to thank Jess for her time today and for being so open and honest and candid with such a difficult topic. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Please subscribe. Please share. Give us a review. Please visit musictherapypodcast.com for past episodes and upcoming events and guests. Music Therapy is hosted by Jessica Risker, produced by Sullivan Davis, and engineered by Joshua Wentz in Chicago. Hope you guys are doing well, and see you next week.